Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam, and today I am talking with special needs family strategist, Annie Tremel. And having grown up as the eldest sibling to a person with disabilities, Annie, who is also a former school psychologist, now helps parents navigate the complex sibling dynamic between typically developing children and children with disabilities. Her shame-free, no-nonsense approach ensures both feel equally loved and valued while making sure everyone's needs gets met. Welcome, Annie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So, Annie, let's start with your story. How did you get started working with special needs families? Well, my journey with special needs obviously started when I was very young. I was two when my, my, the third child in our family was born, I'm the oldest, um, and she was born and it took a couple of years, but we figured out that she definitely had some special needs. She was eventually diagnosed with autism and intellectual disability. Um, and I continued to grow up in a large family. We ended up with five kids total. Wow. It was kind of, you know, at times craziness and chaos, which you might expect in any family, especially of that size but it was particularly crazy when you include all those special needs and everything mm. going on at the same time. A big part of my role growing up was to be a caretaker for my sister, uh, to, to make sure her needs were met, um, almost to be that third parent hand. Uh, so as I went on and continued through my teen years, you know, as you know, where we typically develop our identity and mm -hmm. figure out who we are and what's important to us, my journey was a little different than a typical than any typical sibling in, in so many ways. And that really formed and changed me as I grew. Um, one of the ways it, it formed me was that I decided to go into a career with special needs. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up training to become a school psychologist and worked in that field for um, 15 or 16 years before I decided to stop and do what I do now, which is working directly with families as a family strategist. Um, and in doing that, I work not just with the parents and the special needs child, but also with the typically developing sibling to make sure that their needs get met. Um, and then they've learned how to self-identify, to self-advocate and, and to get what they need. So you really help focus parents because I think one of the things probably, or one of the people that probably get overlooked sometimes in a special needs family is the typically developing children, which until I talked to you, I'd never heard the term typically developing. So I'm just, I, I love that. I'm just curious about that too. But um, I think, you know, obviously the one with special needs needs a lot of attention. And so what happens to the siblings that don't need all the attention or like you who kind of end up having to help? That's a great question. And I think you're right that those siblings often get overlooked. And the reason is because they grow up so often, they have an innate understanding of what that family needs, specifically what that special needs child needs. And as a young child, as we all know, kids are really pleasing. They do 
um, what is expected of them um, most often. They try to help, they want to be the best member of their family and the best person, and so they become that helper. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, sometimes that role kind of takes over. Often because, you know, parents are doing the best they can, they don't have a choice. Another sibling requires a lot more attention. Um, and so you have the typically developing sibling with a lot of mixed feelings. As they grow into teens, you know, they have that need to branch out, to push those boundaries, to try new things, to show the world who they are as a unique individual. But so many messages they're getting are mixed. It's really hard to show who you are as a unique individual and to develop that identity when you don't have equal time with your parents, you know, to, to talk with them and to get responses. When you don't, um, when you often have that, I hate to call it a burden, but the truth is oftentimes it is an extra burden of, you know, do I have to be, can I be myself or do I need to be who I'm expected to be? Um, this pleasing, easygoing, kind, um, person that's there when my family needs me. And it can be really this horrible tug of war inside mm. of a preteen and a teen who's just trying to figure it out, but honestly looks out into the world and they don't see a lot of examples of people like them because oftentimes special needs families are pretty isolated. They don't, they don't talk a lot about what's mm. happening in their world um, unless it's to other special needs families. And unfortunately uh, too many families don't have those connections. Yeah. I, I would imagine too, like and I'm just kind of, I haven't been in that situation, but I just feel like there would be this like mix and this conflict of resentment and guilt with a sibling, you know, is, is that kind of what they're struggling with? That is the exact conflict they're struggling with. Um, and as we know, that's hard for adults. We, we've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. Resentment and guilt is, you know, it's the worst, but when you put it on a preteen or a teen, when they haven't yet, you know, their brain's not fully functional mm -hmm. in that capacity. They haven't developed the skills. They haven't had the life experience and they don't necessarily have the solid foundation in who they are to be able to stand strong in that and to prioritize what they need. I mean, mm -hmm. in fact, that's probably the biggest issue we have when we see teens who are typically developing siblings of a child with a disability. They don't always know how to prioritize who they are and they end up falling back on and who they're expected to be. Yeah. So they're not always making great decisions for them. So what signs, I have so many questions right now. So let's first, what signs do you look for that your typically developing teen may need some extra love? And then we'll get into <laughs> how the heck you do that when you're already stretched, right? So what signs do we look for? Absolutely. So one of the things you want to watch for is we all know teens tend to act out in two different ways. Either it's acting out with defiance or outspokenness, or it's with withdrawal. Um, as we, I know you and I have talked about the fact that in any team, withdrawal is, is the big scary beast that oftentimes yeah. parents ignore um, because it's easy to. Um, mm -hmm. But especially in typically developing siblings, withdrawal is more common and it's, it's more dangerous. We have mm -hmm. to make sure we're watching because so often um, no one's asking that particular child very often uh, the right questions or digging in to see how they're doing. And that withdrawal can become, and can become serious and obviously mm -hmm. move into serious mental health or that serious lack of connection. And we know we all need that connection. And these are children who aren't going to ask for it. 
They're not yeah. going to ask for what they need because oftentimes the people in their adults in their life are stretched thin already and they don't want to be a burden. So really, really watch for that. That's the biggest danger sign is that withdrawal. Um, and there are some ways to address that. Um, but it's most the, the first step is obviously to be aware of it because so often it's it's okay to say, well, my child has always been easy. My child has always been helpful. My child has always been inner centered. That's just who they are. Um, and I would challenge parents to dig a little deeper to really see if that's truly who they are. Yeah. Because even the most introverted teens want to show the world who they're becoming. Yeah. And I would imagine they get very good at masking how they truly feel for fear of adding more pressure. Because I, I mean, I talk to teens who are, they sense when parents are stressed out, they sense it and they don't want to be an extra burden. So a lot of times they, you know, will feel they won't tell parents things or they won't share how they're really feeling because they don't want to add that burden or disappoint. So now we've got a child that may even be appearing fine or is withdrawing or is acting out, but I'm stretched to the nth degree because there's so much that I need to take care of with my special needs child. How do I now help this typically developing child in this situation? It's yeah, great. It's, it starts in the small things as with most things, it mm -hmm. starts in the small details. Um, you know, one perfect example would be Try to have those conversations with your child. And one way to start it is actually when a situation comes up where your child is, you can tell, slightly conflicted between choosing how to prioritize themselves and how to meet others' needs. Um, so one example would be actually from my own childhood. I babysat for money when I was a teen um, and I would, uh, I would get asked, called for a job all the time. And it was often this big thing in my head, man, I have a chance to go out with my friends who I really would love to see. And I have a chance to babysit, which you know makes me money and is somewhat expected of me to do. How do I choose? If as a parent in that situation, the best thing to do is talk to your child about you know, where their priorities lie and encourage them when you're talking to them to always prioritize connection. Mm -hmm. right? You mm -hmm. always want them to prioritize connection. They may be conflicted and you can walk through the pros and cons with them, but really let them know that you're okay with them choosing connection for themselves. Because mm. um, oftentimes we just say, you know, that's a decision you'll have to make. And that's a great parenting strategy too, right? We want to give our, give our kids the autonomy, autonomy to make their own decisions. But with kids in this particular situation, in order to guide them very easily, it's best to remind them that you're okay with them connecting with others, that you want to encourage them to develop those relationships and that um, more of these opportunities will come. And if they want, they can make a different decision each time, but that it's, it's really okay to want this for themselves, to prioritize themselves. I think that is beautiful. And I think that extends to all teenagers um, that we see uh, particularly ones that, you know, are the perfectionists or anxious or stressed out, yes. prioritizing self-care with our kids. I think yeah. it's so important. And I think it's something that we don't do well ourselves. We don't model that well for our kids. And mm -hmm. we have so much pressure on my, our kids that self-care gets lost in the mix yes. and they get super stressed out. So this, this is beautiful advice for all parents with all teens is that self-care 
downtime, connecting, just chilling out yes. is super important and needs to be prioritized. Absolutely. Well, and as you mentioned, you know, pleasing, perfectionism, anxiety, those are a lot of the, um, you know, qualities you're going to see in your typically developing child with a sibling with a disability. So that's perfect advice. Yeah, that is, that is so true. So when parents come to you, what are they coming to you about? Typically parents are coming to me right about that preteen, teen stage when their children are starting to kind of branch out and they're seeing a side of their child they've never seen before, or they're seeing a child who has inner conflict that they're not willing to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so they typically come to me to kind of help them reconnect with that child um, to get a different, almost like a bird's eye view on their family. Because again, when you're in those special needs families, often you feel isolated. Even yeah. if you're able to share your truth, um, it's often with providers and other people who don't have that investment in being really connected with your family. Um, families often come to me because they want that investment. They want someone who is invested in their connection with their family, not just receiving the specific services or going through the specific motions that they need to go through. They want to see their whole family mm -hmm. kind of bloom. I love that. And I think it's probably gets lost in the shuffle sometimes because we get so focused on just surviving day by day by day. And I can't imagine that to be even more so when you have special needs children, right? It is, it is just super stretched, right? And so I can see how other kids without wanting to, but can get lost in that shuffle and that disconnection can happen. Um, so being aware of it, can you just give us a few more tips if this is our situation and we're stretched? Because I sure. think these tips are also useful for parents without special needs that are just stretched. How yes. do we fit in that connection time with our teens? Yes, um, kind of, it's similar, but kind of an offshoot of what we were talking about earlier. It's, you don't have to have these big, heavy conversations with your kids. And as we know, when you, you, when you aren't having those regular conversations with your kids and suddenly you come at them with something heavy, they just go, right? They shut right down. Yeah. So a great way to start is really just ask, ask a fun question, ask them, Hey, if you could, if you could do anything right now with your life, what would you do? What are your dreams for yourself right now? And for some kids, that's hard. If they have, they aren't used to imagining that for themselves, but if you can kind of walk through that conversation or a series of conversations and really ask themselves, what are your dreams? And when they respond to you, no matter how they respond to you, respond with things like, I want that for you. Mm. You know, I'm excited for your future. Um, that's going to be amazing. You know, make sure you don't have to do anything fancy. You don't need any fancy skills to get these things started. You just really need to have them know that you want to connect with them, that you're on their side, that you see a future for them, that they see for them, not that others see for them. Um, so I think that's one huge thing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's wonderful. And that is so important for all teens to just know that their future, what their dreams are, are important to you. Mm -hmm. um, and I would imagine also giving them space to express their frustrations and not feel guilty about it, you know, and validating that. Cause I think there, I would imagine there needs to be a safe place for being able to express that without feeling like you're judged for it. Absolutely. And my favorite thing for that is really, and again, it doesn't have to be complicated. Sometimes I think we feel like some of these things will be so much work, but it can be easy for us and that's okay. 
which is, by the way, another thing we can model and share with our kids. Even if it's easy, it's okay. Everything yeah. doesn't have to be hard, right? So, I mean, really helping them make an outside connection from your family. Um, is there a family friend? Is there um, another special needs family with another typically developing child? Any way for you to get them a connection outside with someone that they might feel good talking to mm-hmm. um, and encourage them to talk about their family and their needs outside your family. Sometimes as in special needs families, we revert to this secrecy, this weird veil of Mm. we can't let other people know what's happening because Mm. they won't understand or they'll judge us or they'll, you know, they just won't get it. We inevitably as parents, when we have special needs kids, we we do that without even knowing oftentimes Mm. because it's just more difficult to have to explain to people what's happening. So we, we provide, we have that mask, like we talked about Mm -hmm. our kids see that. And when they watch us and develop as teens and tweens into young adults, they're mimicking what we do, as we know. We don't want to set that example. So really be sure that you're verbally saying, no, you go, you you talk about what you need to talk about. You say what you need to say. I'm here for you all the time. And I hope you'll talk to me. But if you can't talk to me, or if you're not ready, please go talk to this person or this person or someone else. Wow. Yeah. So if parents need to talk to you, how do they reach you? Uh, there's a number of ways to reach me. Um, I highly suggest finding me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm, I'm at Annie Tremel Connects and I loved, you know, direct messages. Please feel free to DM me. I respond within a day. Um, but you can also find me at AnnieTremel.com. Wonderful. And you have a freebie, right? We're, we're do. Link in. What is that? <laughs> I have a freebie. It's specifically about three... I don't want to call them lies, but we'll say non-truths that typically developing teens um, will tell themselves and how to identify those. So that kind of goes back to that awareness. When you're typically developing child is saying, I'm fine, it's fine, everything's fine. It may not be fine. And so <laughs> yeah, it's a good the great sign thing it's about not. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The great thing about this freebie is that it kind of walks you through what you might be hearing and what are some warning signs and just a few really easy strategies to address those. That's great. Any last parting words of wisdom or encouragement for parents with teenagers? Um, Well, I guess in this time of COVID, the only thing I would say is just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. Don't make it hard. And, uh, you know, if, if you're enjoying yourself, they will too. I love that. Thank you, Annie. I'm so grateful you could join us today. And I want to thank parents for taking time out of their busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn even more about how to connect with your teen and calm the drama, be sure to join me on Tuesday evenings for the Parenting Teens Power Hour. We have a bunch of amazing experts lined up to share their best tips and secrets with you, and it's free. And you can register at AskDrCam slash Power Hour. I'll put the link along with all of Annie's links and her freebie in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and found all these amazing nuggets from Annie helpful, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It helps parents find the show as well and share the love with some of your friends. So again, Annie, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Great. And everyone else have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, 
If you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.